This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Thank you very much for being here. Great to have you as always. Um, you have no doubt heard already about the ruling that came down last night that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals out of San Francisco, very liberal, known to be liberal Court of Appeals. They ruled against the Trump administration, as you have no doubt heard. And when we look at this uh, and we apply very basic legal scrutiny to the situation, it is clear this is a terrible ruling. <laughs> this is about as as bad a judicial ruling, I think, as you're going to see. And we're going to be joined later by Andy McCarthy. He can also he can give you his truly expert uh, opinion on this one. Uh, but I, I read through the ruling last night, and there's so much that's wrong with it. Um, my understanding also, I, I didn't check this out, but I think I saw this on Twitter, which you, know, you shouldn't base things you see on social media. Fake news alert! Uh, but that the Ninth Circuit of all the circuits is the one that is most most often overturned by the Supreme Court. Whether that's true or not, and I would assume it's true, based on the ruling I saw last night, uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. This was policy in search of a legal rationale. It is a obviously a defeat for the Trump administration, at least in the short term. And I I have to say this this really opens up a number of a number of I, I want to take this first. Let, let me look at the merits of this with you now. And then we'll get into the politics of it a little bit and and then we'll go from there. Um I'll also talk to you about what I think this shows. Uh, there's sort of the immediate politics, and then there's the long-term narrative politics of this. But let me first get into the ruling. So a few things. First of all, if, if a state can now sue on behalf of immigrants as a group with the idea that their state universities, this is what they put. I, I couldn't believe how flimsy this was, but this is what they put in the decision. If states can sue on behalf of immigrants because they, the states claim 
that they are losing a, an important benefit to their university system as a result of not having access to this immigrant pool, in this case from, from seven of, what, 200, uh, approximately 200 and something countries in the world. Um, how many, you know, important question, how many countries, I'm going to ask this on air because I want to know, how many countries are there uh, and the answer I get, oh, 195. I said approximately 200. Psh, that's right, Buck. That's right. High five yourself. So there's almost 200 countries in the world. Seven of them are, <clears throat> seven of them were affected by this temporary ban. But the states sued on behalf of the immigrants or would-be immigrants or visitors from this group. And it, it is just amazing that that's, that that now gives them, that they have standing. You can't just sue the government for anything. You have there has to be some. You have to have some interest in it. Otherwise, I could just sue Obama for being the worst president ever. You know, I'm just I'm suing Obama because he's a bad president. Well, you don't have standing. You can't just you can't drag the president into court into federal court because you think he's a bad president. I mean, I know that's a silly example, but it, it does make the point. You know, you have to. Okay, I'm going to sue Obama because he had the Department of Justice lock me up without any judicial process whatsoever. Oh, no, okay, you, that's a real harm. <laughs> that, that, then you have standing, right? Well, in one case, you have standing. In one case, you don't. And if they don't, give you habeas cor if they don't give you habeas corpus and the ability to challenge your detention and judicial review, clearly you would have a harm, although if it ever got to that point in this country, I'm not sure the judicial process would work out for you that well either. But I digress. Okay, so uh, we, we, look at this we look at this review. It's not that long. It's about 30 pages. So if you want to flip through it, if you have the time today, or you can just listen to me. I'll tell you what you need to know. That's, that's my job, I suppose. Uh, you look through this ruling, and the standing issue was pretty ridiculous. Um, that they have, quote, proprietary interests traceable to the states now. States of Washington and Minnesota have proprietary interests traceable to the executive order. I mean, the executive order stops people from seven countries from going to these states. That now gives those states the right to sue the federal government and challenge immigration. Immigration is supposed to be left to the federal government. In fact, immigration has been given so much deference in the past to the federal government and its whims that states that wanted to help the federal government enforce its immigration laws, i.e. Arizona, uh, they, have been, they were told by the federal government, no, even though you're trying to help, we don't want your help. That was under the Obama administration. Stop helping us. That's what the Obama administration's Department of Justice said to the state of Arizona. Don't help us. We don't, we don't want the help. This is our thing. Well, now you have states that are suing the federal government saying uh, this isn't just your thing. It hurts us. So we get to have we get to have a say in this. And I think for a lot of people, they look at this and they think to themselves, well, this is just completely preposterous. And, and, and it is. Uh, this is a very this is a very poor decision um, that was made here by the night. But this is not surprising either. I've been saying all week on radio, this is how this is going to go. And I think everybody who's paying pretty close attention to this was of the same mind. But that the uh, state attorneys could serve as uh, advocates for future immigrants is where does that end? Think about that for a moment. So I'm a, I'm a state attorney for New York. Uh, I, I don't like the Republican administration's policy about immigration you know i i think that instead of a million legal immigrants a year we should have two million legal immigrants here in this country and new york would get a, a good share of that so i'm going to sue the federal government now usually see the, the, the standing is a really important issue because otherwise 
the opportunities for meddling and overwhelming the courts and also just using the court system as a weapon, they're endless. If a state can sue and and go through the judicial process against the federal government, you know, use remember, keep on, they're both playing with taxpayer dollars, so they don't care. But in, in, if they can be denied standing, well, then at least a judge can dismiss this right away and say, look, you can't, this is a waste of everybody's time. You can't do it. If they can get standing for whatever they want, well, then they can sue for whatever they want. And then you got to go through a whole trial process. It has to go through the courts. It has to be arbitrated through the legal, the legal system. I mean, think about where that ends. There's already enough over-lawyering in this country of every little thing. Now you're going to have blue states that just want to keep that want to sue a Republican administration. Now, I know you're going to say, but Buck, states do sue. Yes, they sue, but they have to sue for, for specific reasons. Right. A state saying, hey, federal government, you can't tell us at the state level that we have to expand Medicaid or else we're going to pull all Medicaid funding away from you. The state's clearly being harmed. There. The state has a real interest there. That's that's a, a legitimate lawsuit to bring against the federal government for a state. You know, there, there is a Tenth Amendment issue there. You, you can raise that. OK, uh, we don't like your immigration policy because we want super smart immigrants from these countries to work in our university system. Sorry, that, 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 that doesn't fly. If that flies, then anything flies. Right, this this starts to look a little bit like Wickard v. Filburn, where which is the root of really all progressive judicial evil. Um, and it has to do with you know, what is it, growing wheat and regulating interstate commerce, even if commerce doesn't go across states, because commerce has an effect on commerce that does go across states, you can regulate all commerce within a state. That's the very short version of Wickard v. Filburn. And the, the federal government under the Commerce Clause has just run amok with that one. Amok being a term, by the way, we use from the Moral War, the U.S.-Philippine uh, War, uh, the turn of the 20th century. Side note, amok, boondock, these are things that come from I believe Tagalog, but it comes from the U.S.-Philippine War, the Moro War, M-O-R-O. Side note. Okay. Um, What else do I have for you here? A few things. Okay. So that's very important to point out. That the standing issue, I know it sounds a little like womp, 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 womp. It's a little bit of a, um, is that the parents from, yeah, from Charlie Brown. I was thinking Bobby's World, but that's them. Oh, yeah, don't you know? Uh, But no, it's a little bit of a womp, 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 womp. But it actually matters a whole lot because if the courts start to just give standing to states, especially under this Republican administration, this Trump administration, to sue for whatever, I mean, it's just going to be one endless string of lawsuits that get through the that go through the problem. Maybe they lose, but you know they got to go through the process. At least if you don't have standing, it's like you're donezo right away. Okay, so the standing issue really matters, and that they were granted standing in the sense that the state attorneys are able to now advocate. Remember, they're paid by U.S. taxpayers. They're, at, they're able to advocate for foreigners as a result of this night. They're able to, for future foreigners. Not, we're not even talking about people applying to be U.S. citizens, people that just want a visa to come here. So, now, so what's the difference between the, where is the province, where does the province of the states end when it comes to immigration and the federal government begin? I, I don't know. Under this order, it, you know, your guess is as good as my team could be anything. OK, so the issue of reviewing the legality of the order, this also came up in the decision. The Trump team took the unfortunate from an optics perspective, took the position that, well, this is not even reviewable by a court. Now, of course, courts with activist judges in particular are always going to say to them, are always going to say, 
No, no, we can review anything. Thanks very much. That's what we do here. We can choose to review any aspect of federal law and federal policy that we want. And that was unnecessarily goading. Uh, I'm not saying that it means that what the judges did on this issue was right at all. I'm just saying it added fuel to this fire. Um, usually the federal government, and particularly the, uh, the commander-in-chief, um, is, is due a lot of deference on immigration policy. And specifically here, there is a statute under federal law that was passed by the Congress that says that, that, says that the, um, the commander-in-chief can bar any class of, of alien, non-U.S. citizen, for any national security reason he deems necessary. And in the decision this came up, the, the process, uh, or in the context of this paragraph, although courts owe considerable deference to the president's policy determinations with respect to immigration and national security, it is beyond question that the federal judicial uh, judiciary retains the authority to adjudicate constitutional challenges. So they're saying, look, we can review this. We'll give you deference, but we can review this. Okay, so they, they said that they have a right to review this. Um, what really goes bonkers, though, off the wall, um, because I, I agree that they have a they have a right to review it. But in the review, they should have come up with, OK, well, this is this is beyond our this is beyond our bailiwick and we have to give deference to the executive. That's not what they did. But what really drives me bonkers is that the court more or less asserted in this whole process that there are due process rights for illegal aliens. Um, that's just completely insane. Uh, if, if you have state attorneys in this country that are able to sue on behalf of due process rights for illegal aliens to come to this country, or not illegal, well, legal or illegal aliens, but any aliens, the states of Minnesota and Washington bringing this suit and then having it upheld, at least at this juncture, it could, of course, be overturned by the Supreme Court. And we'll get into what comes next when we got uh, Andy McCarthy come on up here in a few minutes. But this whole idea that uh, they can act on behalf of non-U.S. citizens, this is insane. These, they, 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 they shouldn't be uh, confronting the federal government over the, over the rights of non-citizens to travel to this country. What, what due process rights when it comes to entering the United States does a non-citizen have? The answer is supposed to be whatever due process rights the United States government through its treaties with other countries and through the executive branch decides that they have. That's it. This isn't the due process rights for your detention in this country. This isn't the due process rights for are you accused of a crime? And this is the due process rights of do you get to come here? The answer is no, you don't have a right. But see, this exposes the fundamental fault line between the way the right thinks and the left thinks in this country. The left, through decades now of this progressive indoctrination, has really begun to take the position that the U.S. government should make almost no distinction between the rights of citizens and non-citizens. This is also why illegal immigration is such a hot-button issue now, this is also why so many Americans are fed up with being constantly fed this line that illegal immigrants are like the fabric of this society and they do the jobs Americans won't do and, and we should extend ourselves to them and they should get access to taxpayer-funded benefits and all of that. It's just pushing towards this notion 
that really we, what we need to have is, and I, I know this is this starts to sound a little crazy, but this is how the left thinks about this stuff. That it's just for reasons of uh, of process right now that we have to continue with this notion of America and U.S. citizens, and we're not quite there yet. When there's one government that rules over all of us, one sort of world global government of you know a, a UN style committee of all the different countries represented, they know that they don't have that yet. But if they could have it, they would. And anything they can do that fits into that ideological framework, they will. In the meantime, they know we're not there yet, but they wish we were. And if they can do anything that looks like we're getting closer to that, they'll do it. You have state attorneys suing on behalf, suing the federal government in order uh, on the basis of due process rights for alien non-U.S. citizens, including those who would come here illegally, their travel rights to the United States. They have no travel rights to the United States, or at least they didn't until yesterday. There's no such thing. You know, guess what, everybody, if I want to go to North Korea, which might seem like a strange thing, but it'd be kind of interesting. If I want to go to North Korea and the North Korean government says, we don't want you here. Do you know what my recourse is? Zero. I have zero recourse. I don't have the like whiny. Like, no. But if I want to go to the EU and they think I'm a human rights abuser, Buck the Terrible, he is known all around the world as the human rights abuser, whatever. Guess what? My recourse is zero. I mean, I can try to petition them, but there, there's no legal right for me to go to some other country, right? The only real rights I have, in a tr- in the true rights that I have, other than natural law rights, and I'm not talking about that, but from a, from a government perspective, attach because I'm a U.S. citizen, and I'm entitled to certain processes as a U.S. citizen. But everyone around the world is not entitled to those processes, Unless you take the word of the Ninth Circuit here, and, and then what is the difference between a citizen and a non-citizen in terms of their rights, other than we're the chumps who actually have to pay taxes and obey federal law? Long term, I know right now this is, and I'm running out of time here because I find this a fascinating subject. Long term, this is not a defeat for the Trump administration. And I think they recognize that. Right now it looks bad. They roll this out. It's a debacle, all that. But guess what? What we've seen is that the left is willing to throw the Constitution under the bus and to completely dismiss the distinctions made between citizens and non-citizens. People are going to remember that. All right, I got to hit a break, team. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours. 
and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh man, you know, I, I just gotta say to you, I, I had this. Uh, I saw this tweet yesterday on, on CNN uh, from a CNN reporter about how this uh, exercise class owner in D.C. found out that Ivanka Trump had signed up for a class under a, a fake name, obviously, because she doesn't want to be harassed. And then this woman wrote, of course, the grandstanding Facebook post, but how because she needs to defend her client, she's going to request a meeting with Ivanka. And, and I'm just like, you know, and, and of course, when I, when I point out, do you think that she really do you do, do these idiots really think that the first daughter, what does she have to have a meeting? She can't buy milk. She can't walk down the street without somebody demanding a meeting or requesting a meeting. Do we think that's cool? And they go, oh, don't be a snowflake. I'm not being a snowflake. People are just being jerks. You don't get to just harass people in their day-to-day life because you don't like their politics. I know the left thinks that that's okay, but it's really not. It's not the time or the place. She wants to take an exercise class. Just back off. But it's amazing how stupid people are on this point. And I'm seeing the Twitter responses from just moron after moron. One of them writes for the New Republic, so he writes for dozens of people read his writing. And he's, he goes, oh, don't be a snowflake. First of all, I'm not being a snowflake about anything. And second of all... Anybody who defends an exercise class owner uh, saying that she's going to bother, because it is a bother, because Ivanka, I'm sure, does not want to be lectured by some woman she doesn't know about her father's politics because she happens to be in the same general vicinity as her. It's rude. There is such a thing as rudeness. There is such a thing as being a jerk. Not everything can be defended now with, oh, don't be a snowflake. You know, This is not Ivanka putting herself out there and someone else in a, in a normal forum responding. This is, can she have like a a few minutes to just be a normal person without some leftist fool trying to bother her? I I just, anybody who doesn't understand this is a straight up moron. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Show. All right, team, we're joined now by our friend Andy McCarthy. He is a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and a contributing editor to National Review. Andy, great to have you. Buck, how are you? I'm all right. I mean, I, I the decision that came down last night was more or less what I expected, but it was also a little worse even than I expected. I've gone over some of it with the, with the team, Andy, but I, I just wanted to give you the floor and tell us what what is going on here with this decision. Well, in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan, Buck, we used to say that if you pick the country up by the eastern seaboard, all the loose stuff rolls to the Ninth Circuit. Um, and unfortunately, I think we we saw that uh, in this opinion, which is really in many ways very outrageous. But I think it it really boils down to two questions or two issues. One is 
there was a time in this country for two plus centuries where it was understood in our law, in our constitutional jurisprudence, that the political branches of government had plenary supreme authority over matters of national security, particularly that involved potential foreign threats to the homeland. And it was well understood, as the Supreme Court held uh, in 1948 uh, in a case called Chicago and Southern against Waterman that was written by uh, Justice Robert Jackson, the legendary Robert Jackson, who was the chief prosecutor at Nuremberg. Um, Jackson explained that on matters of foreign relations and national security, the judiciary is out of its ken. Uh, and that in our system, these issues are wholly committed to the branches of government whose officials are accountable to the people whose lives are at stake, and that the judiciary shouldn't and doesn't have any role in them. And that was pretty much what the understanding was. And interestingly, that case came around the same time that the law on which President Trump relied in his executive order was enacted by Congress. And if you look at that law carefully, what it says uh, is that uh, Congress is giving the president the authority to exclude classes of aliens if, and this is the key phrase, in his judgment, uh, allowing them into the country would be detrimental. In his judgment meant very clearly that this was a decision left to the president not to be reviewed by the courts. So it's a very new development, um, really a development out of the war on terror cases in the Supreme Court beginning in around 2004, that the judiciary, uh, which used to have no role in national security, now not only has carved a rollout for itself, but actually has a check on the, uh, on the political branches when it comes to these matters. And, you know, I know a lot of people, when they hear that, say, well, you're trying to eliminate due process. The answer to that is not at all. Uh, it's, it is just as inappropriate for the courts to be second-guessing the president and Congress on matters related to border security against potential foreign threats to national security, as it would be for the president to, say, uh, second-guess a, a court on whether a search warrant should have been issued or on whether uh, you know, a breach of contract action should have been uh, settled the way a, a, a court resolved it. Uh, it used to be separation of powers meant that each of the branches respected the expertise and the institutional competences uh, of the other ones uh, and backed off when uh, the responsibilities involved in a dispute were the responsibilities of the other branches. The court doesn't accept that anymore. And I guess secondly, what we see here is a very extravagant understanding of due process imposed by the Ninth Circuit which, for example, holds that uh, even illegal aliens uh, have a right to come to the U.S. courts, whether they're in the United States or not, apparently. Um, yeah, th th this is the part of it, Andy. I just have to jump in here for a second. That I, I read this yeah, last sure. night when the, when the decision was was released, and I I, I, I what I, I don't under, I, I don't know how to say it better. Than that. How does this How does this supposed to work? Well, well, here this is actually uh, worth spending uh, a little bit of time on um you got time go for it the, andy okay the the um in 2001 
The Supreme Court had a case before it, which the Ninth Circuit purported to rely on in this opinion called uh, Zadvidas v. Davis. And what that case involved was uh, aliens who had no right to be in the United States who were deportable and who were stopped at the border. Um, We either have to send them back to a, a different, you know, whatever country they came from or detain them until we can find a country that will take them. But they don't have a right to be in the country. Um, And that was unquestioned for a long time. And the Supreme Court, in a decision written by Justice Breyer, uh, and it's it's basically, you know, the the breakdown of the court of the 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 transnational progressive justices versus the conservative justices. In this instance, the uh, the liberal justices, as it were, um, held that the court could invent a uh, due process right for these illegal aliens or these deportable aliens to seek bail if they were held for too long while uh, the executive branch looked for a country willing to take them. But the court, and this was, by the way, this is what the Ninth Circuit relied on yesterday in saying that the Supreme Court has even recognized that illegal aliens uh, people who are not in this country legally uh, have due process rights. But unlike the Ninth Circuit, the, the Supreme Court in deciding this case was very careful to stress that it was it was not applying this precedent to cases where there was a national security issue or cases that involved uh, the the power of the political branches to keep aliens out of the United States. They stressed that the case that they were uh, deciding didn't raise those issues, didn't have anything to do with those issues, and shouldn't be applied to those issues. And sure enough, here comes the Ninth Circuit uh, doing precisely what the Supreme Court said not to do. And as a result of that, finding not only that uh, illegal aliens might have some small modicum of due process expectation under some unusual set of circumstances, but they had, but that they have full blown due process rights, um, which can actually not only be uh, exercised by them, but by states on their behalf uh, in order to block the political branches of the federal government from performing their essential and most imperative role uh, of protecting the United States against foreign national security threats. It's really, if you if you understand how little the courts had to say about these matters traditionally, and how inflated what the Ninth Circuit did uh, did yesterday is, uh, it really is quite astonishing. So, what does this mean going forward? I mean, using this as precedent, Andy, if you were trying to be a an underhanding uh, underhanded uh, meddling state attorney that had a, had a real love for you know extending rights to to alien alien non U S citizens all over the world uh, where where can this lead I mean based on the jurisprudence that was applied last night in this decision for non U S citizens what would theoretically be open to people that want to come here now I mean they, can they just sue because they're not allowed to come. Well, if I could borrow from um, if I could borrow from a expression of the great uh, uh, John O'Sullivan uh, from years ago, what it essentially means is that uh, uh, every 
human being on planet Earth is an American waiting to happen. Uh, and every one of them, whether or not they seem to have a legal right to come to the United States, has a legal right to come to the United States courts. Uh, and you can't keep them out without acknowledging some kind of a judicial process to keep them out, no matter what their status is. That's how I, I think that's how uh, radical and expansive this holding potentially is, because, look, if you're going to take the position that illegal aliens not only have full blown due process rights, but that those rights can be exercised by third parties on behalf of people who don't have a right to be in the country and whose present here presence here is illegal and nevertheless used to uh, assert it in a way that blocks the representatives of the American people from adopting a policy that protects the country from foreign threats, then, you know, if that's where you're coming from, there's, there's really all bets are off. And there's, I, I wouldn't be able to sit here and tell you that no, that anybody uh, doesn't have a right to, you know, come to the U S courts and say, you got to let me in. So anyone anywhere under the holding last night, and just so I'm clear, and I don't mean to belabor the point, Andy, but it's because I don't want to say things that aren't true, and I know you know this stuff. So some guy who's sitting, some guy who's sitting in Pyongyang right now, who really, I mean, forget about the North Korea. I keep saying North Korea. Forget of the North Korea side of it that you know he doesn't have internet access and wouldn't be able to do this. But whatever, some guy in Tehran would be able to right. say, "Well, I can't get a visa to the United States. I'm unfairly barred. I want to, I want to sue the federal government in a U.S. court." Based on what the Ninth Circuit has done, that individual might have a new right to do that. Is, is that is that all? Yeah, is that all square? Is that right. where we are? Especially if they could find uh, some state attorney general who would say that keeping this person out of the United States uh, is impeding the rich diversity of our university system, which requires you know foreign students and foreign scholars, et cetera. Uh, sure. I mean, and and now that's crazy, right? We could all that that just is insane. I mean, <laughs> I know the left is excited because Trump has been dealt a defeat here, Andy. But right, I mean, no. on a scale of one just, to ten, well, one being this makes perfect yeah. sense constitutionally, ten being this is like Obamacare on steroids in terms of the decision. Where where do you put this? I would put the put it at eleven, which I regard as Ninth Circuit crazy. Okay, so this is next level crazy. I wasn't off on that last night when I read this. I was thinking no, to myself, uh -uh. this is just, this just doesn't make any sense. Well, what do you think the administration right. should do now? Let me ask you that before we got to go into a break here in a couple minutes. What, what do you think they should do? Should they just well, come up with a new executive I, order, or should they take it to SCOTUS? Well, I, I don't think they're going to get to SCOTUS right away, Buck, because this is one of these unusual situations and unfavored ones where the same issue between the same parties was being litigated in two courts at the same time. So as the Ninth Circuit was was resolving or hearing the issue of the temporary restraining order, the district judge in Seattle is proceeding apace with resolving the question whether this temporary restraining order becomes a preliminary injunction. I don't think the Supreme Court would take the case on the temporary restraining order, given that by the time they, you know, had the brief and, and everything else, the, the district court would have superseded it already by, you know, issuing a preliminary injunction. So I think what the administration has to do is one of two things, either pull the plug on this whole thing uh, 
with the rationale that, you know, we just have our new team in place finally at the Justice Department. We just got the attorney general confirmed. We're finally just going to start filling these slots at the Justice Department. And let's try to do this right. That doesn't mean that we can uh, obviate all of the problems here because the court decisions are obviously wild. Uh, but they could at least minimize or narrow uh, the, the places where they've been attacked uh, by the court, which mainly involves the the chaotic implementation of this order. So I think I would do that. Uh, if that is not what they're going to do, I think what they have to do then is play it out in the district court uh, where the preliminary injunction is probably going to be decided, I'd say, in the next 10 days or so. And then they'll lose in the district court. They'll go back to the Ninth Circuit and lose there. And then they can go up to the Supreme Court on a on a full record. And maybe by then Gorsuch is confirmed. All right. Thank you very much, Andy. Great to have you. Andy McCarthy, everybody of National Review. Read his latest at nationalreview.com. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, Andy, always appreciate your expertise, man. Have a good weekend. Thanks so much, Buck. You too. Team, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network.